0: I'm Rafael Sierra with your positive people story. Going to college is a big deal for many young students, but for some, the experience can be a little upsetting and quite lonely. InterVarsity's Greg Howe says, even though students communicate with a lot of people, they don't really connect with them, which may have consequences. How did you get involved with InterVarsity?
1: I became involved with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship when I was a college freshman, and It was at InterVarsity that I discovered a great Bible study that helped me dig deep into scriptures, a community that cared for me, and a way of thinking about faith that set me up uh, for the rest of my life. So it was a great experience at the University of Chicago.
0: And for those that don't know, what's the mission of uh, InterVarsity?
1: InterVarsity exists to plant and build fellowships on college and university campuses that evangelize to the campus, help students grow in their faith, and prepares really the next generation of leaders in every business company, church, and government office will be held by today's college students sometime.
0: When did you get involved with student outreach, you know, particularly with students struggling with loneliness on campus?
1: One of the things that we've noticed and studies are showing is that the current generation of college students identifies as the loneliest generation in history. And so even though they're highly connected by cell phones, on social media platforms, in fact, they're the most highly connected and disconnected group of people that we've been able to study so far. College students indicate, though they know a lot of people and communicate with a lot of people, they don't connect with a lot of people. And so we're seeing that as we meet students at the beginning of the school year. We're seeing it during the school year as this is also the generation with the highest reported rates of suicidal ideation and depression. And we're seeing it as we begin to disciple young Christian students as well.
0: What's the current state of student loneliness on campus? What's your take on it?
1: College students are highly connected to their friends, but they're disconnected in terms of embodied reality with other people. So we've found college students are very willing to text you, very reluctant to meet with you in person. Um, They're happy to post about themselves on Instagram, but very unwilling to commit to showing up at a weekly Bible study. And I think the difficulty is they've spent so much time presenting themselves in a certain way in social media and having arms-length relationships or internet-length relationships, that they're both terrified of what it means to interact with people face-to-face and ill-equipped to do so. Um, So much of their life has been programmed and designed for them that the casual, relaxed interaction that you get in group settings is a little foreign to them. And so frequently, our staff have told me, I'm teaching them how to have conversations with people. I'm teaching them how to enter a group. And I think the reason that this is important is, while you can share a lot on social media, in fact, it's only when you're actually dealing with people on a day-to-day basis, sharing your triumphs and your failures, your hopes and your fears, that you actually get a group of people who can care for you and support you when you're down, and then cheer you on when you're doing well. And so part of the challenge for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship on campus, and I think for any church that wants to reach um, the next generation, is figuring out how do we help them connect with people face-to-face in a way that allows them to be transparent with each other, um, honest with one another, and vulnerable with one another.
0: A recent survey by the Global Health Service Company, Cigna, found that students ages 18 to 22 were particularly suffering from loneliness on campus and that it may be at an epidemic level. What do you think about that?
1: I think it's true. I think Cigna put its finger on it. Um, YouGov has a similar survey that found millennials were the loneliest generation in history. And the Higher Education Research Institute reported they do an annual freshman survey that students are rating both their physical and emotional health at a declining rate every year. So I do think the current college student generation feels stress more deeply, is experiencing deeper anxiety um, than any generation I've worked with on college ministry, and this is my 25th year. Um, And we're seeing higher rates of suicide on college and university campuses. So I think it is a real epidemic. Um, It's one that campus ministries, universities, and churches have to address. And as we talk to students, they're feeling it deeply. Um, At the Urbana Student Missions Conference, which we sponsored just a few months ago, the best-selling book in our bookstore was the book Anxious by Amy Simpson. Um, It wasn't a missions book. It wasn't a devotional or prayer book. It wasn't a book about evangelism. The book the students said they wanted and needed the most was a book on how to handle their own anxiety.
0: What factors do you think are causing this? uh, What's your take on that?
1: Most of the studies that I've seen about the rise of anxiety and depression and loneliness on campus tend to point to two or three specific things. Um, One is the increased use of cell phones. Um, I recently saw a study that for every hour of cell phone usage or smartphone usage by a student, there's a significant uptick in experiences of depression and isolation and anxiety, um, in part because it's disconnected from people um, and There's an enormous social pressure on how to present yourself in social media. I think part of what's causing the rise of depression and anxiety among young students now are increasing expectations um, in our society about what they should accomplish and do. Um, This is the most highly programmed group of students ever since they were um, children. They've had lessons and programs and activities at every moment and have been expected to achieve. And I think that's playing a role. And I think the overall decline in the church, and church attendance in um, their engagement with social activities like Cub Scouts or Boy Scouts or other programs like this um, have left them with very few support structures socially and emotionally that they can rely on.
0: So you think that uh, anxiety and depression are the most prevalent uh, as far as this problem of loneliness on campus?
1: I think when you're depressed or you're anxious, you tend to isolate yourself. And so I think that drives a sense of loneliness and then compounds it because you withdraw from social interaction when you're experiencing anxiety and depression. And then obviously, even beyond anxiety and depression, I think it's just a generation increasingly that says we don't know how to connect with people. And by connect, I think we mean they don't know how to reveal who they truly are um, and allow people to enter their world. They've lived very carefully curated lives, both on social media, but also socially, up until college, and um, need to learn an entirely new skill set of how to be real and human with other people. So what
0: is it exactly that young people are struggling with?
1: I think young people are struggling with anxiety and with depression, which results in suicidal ideation. But I think ultimately, they're struggling with a sense of isolation. Um, They're disconnected from other people. They feel enormous pressure. From social media and society, and therefore are isolated and therefore desperately lonely for human connection. With so
0: much social media, you would think uh, that students wouldn't be suffering from loneliness since social media is supposed to bring people together, don't you think?
1: I do. Um, I think social media does some kinds of connections well. It lets me stay in touch with friends from high school and college in ways that would have been impossible 15, 20 years ago. It allows me to have quick interchanges with people. But worryingly, it allows me to choose what part of my life I share with people. So on social media, I can curate a personality that's happy and encouraged and succeeding all the time. What social media doesn't do is allow people access to every part of my life um, across my highs and lows, whether I want them to be there or not. Um, In fact, social media just imitates the real life we lead, but it doesn't actually match it terribly well. So I think College students do best, in fact, people do best when they're in real-life face-to-face relationships. There was a study I read recently that showed universities that have private apartments for students experience higher rates of depression than universities which have primarily dorms. And the reason is when you live in an apartment, you retreat into your apartment and you may or may not see anybody outside of a single roommate. But when you live in a dorm and have to eat communally in a cafeteria and share a bathroom and share common studying space, you're constantly engaged with people, and it pulls you out of your isolation and into a a network of relationships that support you. So social media connects you in a very shallow way. And what college students, and I think all people need, are deep relationships that are embedded in your day-to-day existence. People who can say you look worse than you did yesterday. I would like to talk to you about that. Or you look like you're struggling. Can I pray for you or encourage you? Or you seem really happy right now. What's going on? Share it with me and let me rejoice with you.
0: Does loneliness cause the risk of negative behavior like drugs and alcohol abuse, do you think?
1: I have to admit, I haven't done studies of it, but I have to believe that if you're lonely and you feel isolated, you will turn to things to soothe that loneliness and isolation. And so I think It's one of the reasons that this is a generation that turns to pornography online so frequently because they're looking for the human connection that they are not getting in person and displacing it onto these images that will never actually provide emotional satisfaction. I do think some students retreat into drug use and drinking because it soothes feelings of loneliness um, and numbs them from that kind of pain. I suspect it results in many other types of Self- defeating behaviors because in the end, the only real cure for loneliness is to seek out human connection.
0: How are groups like Intervarsity responding to this problem of loneliness on college campuses?
1: One of the things that Intervarsity is trying to do to engage the problem of loneliness on campus is to make sure that students are actually invited into and embedded in community. So, in the first three or four weeks of the school year, we will meet. We're hoping 20 or 30 thousand students inviting them into community. And rather than just a community that's there for teaching, though as, as important as that is, our goals are, can we invite them into a Bible study, which meets weekly around the scriptures, but has sufficient time and space to get involved in one another's lives. And there's a deeply meaningful aspect to seeing each other each week, reflecting on the scriptures together each week, and trying to apply it together each week. We're doing very practical things. Um, one of our chapters at the Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute and at Russell Sage College over in Albany, New York, um, has gotten community volunteers to bake hundreds, maybe thousands of cookies. And so they do cookie deliveries on campus so that a student anywhere on campus can order a cookie from the Christian Fellowship at particularly designated times. And it's an opportunity for a real live human being to show up at somebody's dorm room with a warm cookie, an invitation to a conversation, and a point of human connection. Um, We've had other chapters um, begin to implement things they're calling family meals, where on a set day, they're gathering in local homes um, or in people's apartments to have a shared meal together, just so that you aren't eating alone at a cafeteria or trying to study while you eat. And it's those kind of regular human interactions that we find students are hungry for. And I think churches are particularly well poised to offer students if they would choose to do so.
0: And how does this exactly work? Who puts these together? Is it InterVarsity or is it the students
1: themselves or is it a combination of both? It's university staff uh, coaching InterVarsity students to offer these services. Ultimately, InterVarsity is here to coach Christian college students on campus to reach out to their communities. So in every one of those cases, it's a group of college students inviting their friends and we're providing coaching. We're providing connections maybe to com- community volunteers who will help them. Um, but it's very much students reaching out to students because we hope that as Christian college students reach out to their friends on campus, they're developing habits, experiences, and skills that they can then take after they graduate. I want our alumni to go into their communities and begin to invite people over to their houses for dinner, to reach out to their friends in the workplace, uh, to invite them together for a meal. Our ministry on campus, we care deeply about what happens on the university campus, and we're doing it all with an eye to who these people will become after they leave campus for the next 40 to 50 years of their life.
0: Okay. So as far as those programs, what's the response been? What does that look like, and how's it been working so far?
1: Um, the response has been amazing. We've had students, whether it's you know cookie distribution at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute or delivering um, hot sandwiches out in the Mid-Atlantic and uh, Baltimore and other places, what the students who received these gifts say is, um, I didn't expect a real person to deliver it. I'm so glad I had a conversation with somebody face-to-face, um, and I'm excited to explore the community that you have there. Um, for community meals that are offered, for example, at our chapter in New Mexico that you mentioned, I think what people say afterwards is, this is a group of people I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, this is a place where I feel at home, and I feel that I'm known and cared for, and that feels pretty unique on my campus, which is very large. So. I think what we're finding is students are hungry for that.
0: What do you think is the most important thing students can do themselves to move away from being lonely on campus? Uh, What's your advice?
1: I think the most important thing a student could do would be to take a risk. Um, There is a very real risk of joining a group and meeting a group of strangers. There's a very real risk of introducing yourself to someone and being rejected. There's a very real risk of losing a little time and autonomy. and yet the benefits of connecting with people, um, the benefits of being a part of a community, particularly I would hope a Christ-centered community, um, far outweigh the risk. So the most important thing I think a student could do is to seek out a community that they can belong to. And I I hope it's a Christian community like InterVarsity or any of um, our partner ministries like CREW or NAVS or another organization. But reach out, show up at a meeting, give them a chance to befriend you, to know you, and to care for you. Um, And what I hope is that um, local churches around college campuses are thinking about this as they reach out to the university campus, Um, besides offering a Sunday school class, or besides offering a place to show up on a Sunday, some of the most effective churches I've seen have said, um, we want to have regular meals together. So there was a church up in Evanston, Illinois, which for years would assign college students who showed up to families at the church. And the families at church basically said, um, you're a member of our family as long as you're a student. You're invited to Sunday dinner every night. If you don't plan to show up, you owe us a call because, like our own son or daughter, we expect you there. Bring your laundry earlier in the day. Hang out. Take a nap in the family room. But you're part of our family while you're here. And I have to say, what an incredible gift that church was offering college students at a period where they might not connect deeply with their own parents, there was another family that came alongside them, loved them, and cared for them, and said, because you're part of the body of Christ, you're part of our family.
0: What about spirituality? I'm sure that can help. I mean, that that goes a long way to try to solve this problem, correct?
1: Absolutely. I think one of the unique things that a Christian community like InterVarsity offers campus is an opportunity to connect with people you would never otherwise know around some of the deepest questions that you need to ask Um, in some of the most deeply um, meaningful ways that transcend some of the boundaries and barriers we have. So, for example, InterVarsity chapters tend to be incredibly diverse ethnically. About 53% of our students are either international students or uh, students of color. And so for many people, the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship is actually the most diverse um, group on campus and yet um, simultaneously the most unified group on campus because they're able to say, we can both celebrate our differences and the distinctives that we bring into this community uh, because we have a common allegiance to who Jesus is. And I think for many people on campus, what they are often surprised by is that their Christian fellowship experience is far more diverse than they could ever imagine. I think simultaneously um, spirituality matters because practices like prayer and scripture reading create resilience in college students, uh, well, in almost anybody. Um, it allows you to ground yourself in something that's bigger than yourself, seek out God's presence and power. And as you do that, I think it gives you enough strength and courage and resilience to begin to confront some of the issues that they face in our culture.
0: And Greg, before we conclude, is there anything else you'd like to share with us? Uh, Something you think is important for our listeners to remember to help students uh, who are suffering from loneliness on college
1: campuses? I think one of the challenges when you think about the current generation is both, um, they are experiencing loneliness and isolation and depression at levels higher than any other generation we have on record. And I suspect a lot of our listeners would say, but simultaneously, aren't they some of the most privileged people who've ever walked the face of the earth, right? They have more technology in their pocket than most people have had um, in their cities uh, at any other time in history. and. To understand the current generation of college students, you have to have both of those things in mind at all times. Um, They are some of the most privileged people in the world in terms of education, opportunity, resources. Um, They have incredible potential. And in fact, they're going to lead our country and our world in 20 or 30 years. They're the leaders that we're preparing. And so I think they're worth investing in and they're worth guiding and shaping because our future is in their hands. And simultaneously, they're experiencing a deeper level of brokenness than any other generation in history, at least as they're reporting it. And so there's a greater opportunity to engage with them, to care for them, and to bring healing for them so that they're prepared to take up the opportunities they have. And I think to think of them either as victims of loneliness or really privileged people who don't understand how much they have is a mistake. It's actually both are true at the same time. And if we understood that, I think we would say investing in them, helping them get to health and wholeness um, is the most strategic investment that we can make in our future.